Welcome to Sandals Church Online. My name is Jono and I'm gonna be your host for today. I, I wanna welcome all of you tuning in from all over the world. You know, we are one church with an online global community. And not only that, is we have these awesome locations called Sandals Church Anywhere that exist all over the US and in three countries, continuing to grow. And if you're new checking us out, we, would you take a moment to just write next in that chat, or maybe go visit sandalschurch.com slash next, and someone from our online team would love to get back to you. But right now, we're going to spend a little bit of time singing to God. And no matter where you are, we hope that you are not a spectator during this time, but, but that you are participating in worship as we sing the name that is above every name. Let's sing. You are the in his presence and he deserves our everything this morning sometimes we don't know what we can give but man he never stops pouring out on us so pour out what you can this morning and let him fill you up to
Thanks for singing with us and connecting in worship. We want all of you who have kids to know that you can get your kids connected online at kids.sandalschurch.tv so they can enjoy a service just for them. Also, if you're not connected yet in our Sandals Church app, we would love for you to do that. You, You can actually do that right now by grabbing your phone, downloading the Sandals Church app, and start getting connected to all Sandals Church has for you. We're called to be followers of Jesus, which means that there are steps involved in following Jesus. We've created the growth path so you can know what's your next step as you follow Jesus. It's also a place where you can follow along with the message for today, which starts right now. So let's welcome our online campus pastor, Jeff Y, as we continue in our teaching series, When in Rome. Come on now. Hey, Sandals Church, man. I am so glad to be here. My name is Jeff Y. I'm the online guy, which means I have the privilege of pastoring the online family here at Sandals Church. Not only that, but I also have the privilege of pastoring our Sandals Church Anywhere community. These are people that are very near and dear to my heart. We roll deep, y'all. We roll real deep. (laughs) Hey, guys, I love you to my online campus family and to my Sandals Church Anywhere location gathering. I love you so much. I I can't believe I get to serve this global community. And to our campuses, to our campuses that are holding it down at the local level, come on, somebody. Man, I am so glad that you guys are here. I got to tell you something. I love your campus pastor. I do. He is a brother from another mother with another color. I'm telling you, I just love him. Hey, and I I think they're going to be showing a picture right now. This is my crew. This is my family. Man, I love these people. These are are my kids. That's what happens when you take a vanilla latte lady and a brother mochi get caramel macchiato kids. (laughs) And so I just love them. And this is my wife, Nikki. I don't know if you know this, but her actual, her, her first name is actually Monique. And so when I, when I met her, she's like, my name is Monique. I'm like, no, your name is Monique. Come on. <laughs> There's a space in there. Monique, come on, somebody. She, I got to tell you, she is the milk in my cocoa puffs. Come on, somebody. She, she is the cream in my coffee. <laughs> she is the yin to my yang, literally. Literally, the yin to my yang. Hey, hey, I, I just want you to know that I'm so glad to be here. Amen? Amen. Okay, hold on, wait, time out, time out. That, that's lame, that's lame. You are going to have to talk back to me. 
uh, hey, hey, here, there, and everywhere, you have to talk back. You've got to give me feedback. Uh, I, I was in, uh, I was a stand-up comedian. I was in the entertainment industry, and I also, I also grew up in a black church. So you got to talk back. You got to say, you got to say, amen. You got to say, come on now, preach. No, no matter where you are, I don't care if you're on a campus, Santa Church, anywhere, online, you got to say something. If you're on the chat, you can put up those hand emojis. Come on, y'all know what that, I don't even know what that means, but just put them up. Uh, if you want to type in preach, type it. If, if you want to say preach, say it, say it. Well, if you say it or if you type it, I'm going to feel it, I'm going to hear it because I got the spirit, all right? <laughs> but I got to tell you something. In, in the black church, that was just normal. That was normal. It was normal to, to get feedback. That was just, you know, and you know what else was normal? To do the electric slide. <laughs> I'm not even playing, y'all. You learned the electric slide at a wedding reception. I learned it at church Sunday morning. Pasadena Church, Long Beach Church of God, this is where I learned. Because you know what? We knew how to worship, y'all. We knew how to worship, you know, boogie boogie, it's electric. I mean, we didn't sing that song. We sang, I got a testimony forever. Everybody had a testimony. If you came in for the first time, you better have a testimony. You better got something to say. I mean, that's just worship. I mean, I know you know what I'm talking about. Come on, my sister. Hey, 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 listen to me, listen to me. That was what, and this is normal. You know what else is normal? What else is normal? Uh, uh, pastors, preachers turning into dogs by the end of the sermon. I mean, that's just what happened. I mean, you had a pastor, and God said, one day he gonna come back, and when he come back, what you gonna do? I got a feeling everything gonna be all right. I don't know what you come to do, but I come to pray the Lord. I come to pray the Lord. Seriously, that's what happened. And so when the offering plate went by, I just put in kibbles and bits. But I got to tell you something, y'all, that was just church. That was just church. And, and, and even though I make a little light out of it, I make a little comedy out of it, but this is, this is how I found Jesus in the black church. I mean, I found my first love there. I, I found out how to worship, y'all. Y'all don't even know how to worship. <laughs> I found out how to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth, body, soul, and mind, and strength, or strength, no matter where you come from. They put a firm foundation in me, and I'm so glad to, to, to have had the black church to be my history, my background. And every now and then, you just need some black church, right? Amen. Every now and then, I mean, come on, you just need a black church because you really need it to sink in. I am so honored to be here. You have no idea how honored I am to be here and, and to be led by our lead pastor, Pastor Matt Brown. He is an anointed and appointed man of God, and I'm just so thankful for him. I'm thankful for this vision of being real, real with ourselves, God, and others. And honestly, if I can just be real with you right now, I don't deserve to be here. I don't deserve to be standing right here on your screens at your campus in front of you. I don't. And I'll tell you why. Because now there's a verse I live by, 1 Corinthians 1, 29, which, which basically says, no one should get the glory in the presence of God, that all that I am is because of you, Jesus. During this time, Jeff Y should not get the glory. During the, and, and none of us should ever get the glory. There was a time when that's, that's what I did. I love getting the glory. But I was smacked around by the Spirit of God, and now I know that he deserves all of the glory. All of it. So I'm humbled. You have no idea. I'm humbled to be here and having this opportunity. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much. Thank you for this opportunity, an opportunity to bring your message to everyone listening right now. This is your moment. Let me speak your words. Oh, God, let me speak your words. For whatever reason, I am the messenger today. And I know that's not by happenstance. Lord, I am nothing. Come on now. I am nothing without you. Everything I am is because of you. So, Lord, I thank you. And, and I pray that everyone listening to my voice right now is not going to just hear this, but that they would live it. Live it out. I pray this in the name that's above every name, in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. amen. Well, if you've been hanging out with us, we are 
in this powerful series, When in Rome. And we're going to be reading in the New Testament, this New Testament book called Romans. And uh, Romans uh, was written by a guy named Paul. And we're going to be reading chapter 12, verses 17 through 21. So let me read that. Get, get out your Bibles. Get out your dusty Bibles. Or get out the Bibles you use every single morning. Get out your Bible app, whatever it is, get your Bible. And honestly, here's the thing. At the end of the day, don't take my word for it. Read it for yourself. Read it for yourself. Verse 17. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. <laughs> Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If your enemies are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. I don't know if you know this, but we are living in a hostile world. We, we are living in a difficult world. Now, listen, even Jesus said time's going to be rough, that, that this earth, that this planet is going to be really difficult. And really, that's because of the sinful nature of people. But also, even nature says, even the Word of God says that nature groans waiting for the Savior. So this, it just makes sense that, that, that this is what's going on in our world today, that there will be so much upheaval and hate and discord and fighting and people against one another. It just makes sense. But I, I, I mean, we don't need to know the statistics to know that social media, social media, which was intended to bring people together and connect the world, is one of the biggest proponents of disconnecting people and dividing people. Online, which is where we all like to express yourself, right? We all like to express ourselves online. That's the moment, that's the time. It's one of the most hostile places. In fact, research has shown that people are more aggressive online than they are in person. But online or not, it really does seem like we as people enjoy disunion, discord, disagreement, dissension, discombobulation. I didn't know that word existed until I was studying. <laughs> Welcome to the discombobulated states of America. <laughs> That's what discombobulation. I mean, goodness, if, if there is someone who believes differently than we do, politically, educationally, judiciously, religiously, environmentally, when it comes to history, policy, justice, almost anything, we are able to disagree with my word. We are ready to write them off. We're ready to eject them from the community, your neighborhood, your church, your state, your country. Get out of here. We are so quick to eject people. And now you might be saying, well, 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 what about Jesus? What about Jesus when he was in the temple and he flipped over the tables? He flipped them, he's whipping folk, he's whipping folk. <laughs> in fact, that's where they came up with the song, do, 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 when I whip it. That, they came up with that song for Jesus. <laughs> in fact, that's my favorite verse when Jesus whipping folk. <laughs> I actually bought a whip on Amazon. I can't wait to get here so I can whip people. <laughs> no, listen to me. That is Jesus. That is, and that's one time. You are not Jesus. We are not supposed to do that. We're supposed to leave that for him, which we're going to talk about in a moment. And you may not be whipping folk with, with a black leather rope or something like that, but are you whipping people with your words? Are you whipping people with how you treat each other? And I got to tell you something, here's the problem. We are some hateful people. We are a hot mess people. We, we, we love doing evil. But wait, wait, praise the Lord, right? Praise the Lord, because it's Christians, right? Christians are here. It's like Mighty Mouse. Here they come to save the day. <laughs> it's more like here they come to do the same. We, we do the exact same thing as the world. The exact same thing. And if you go back up in this chapter in verse 3, we are not supposed to be conformed to the world. We're not supposed to copy the world. We're supposed to be transformed. But the Apostle Paul was right in Romans chapter 3 when he says, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside. They have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. But this brings me to the point that I want to talk about today. We who are supposed to be the answer are part of the problem. We need to be part of the solution, not the problem. Us, Christians, 
those who are called followers of Jesus Christ. We look like everybody else when it comes to hating each other, despising one another. Even best-selling author, former pastor, and leadership podcaster, Carrie Newhouse said this, Christians aren't exempt from the trend towards anger and outrage and division online, that they are a good number of them who are actually fueling it. Man, it, he's saying that Christians are actually fueling this rage, this, this anger. And if, and if you're a Christian and you're not fueling it, are you doing anything to counteract it? Well, how do we counteract it? I'm so glad you asked. I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> because Paul is going to help us with the solution. Verse 17, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Never pay back evil for evil. Never. And that's hard because we are a payback type of people, right? We're a payback type of culture. You hit me, I hit you. You bomb us, we bomb you. You cut me, I'ma cut you. I cut you. I got I shank you. I won't thank you, but I shank you. How many you got a shank on right now? How many got a shank on right now? How many you got a shank? How many got a shank? I mean, that's just what we do. This is a powerful instruction by the Apostle Paul, but it really started with Jesus. Paul is using the very words of Jesus. Let's rewind a little bit because in chapter five of the letter of Matthew, who is an eyewitness to Jesus' ministry here on earth, he writes in his letter in the New Testament that Jesus arrives on the scene and delivers the Sermon on the Mount. This is the breakout message, you guys, and basically gives a lot of, I know it's been said, but I'm telling you to do this turning everything not upside down, which is what they thought, but turning everything right side up. <laughs> he says, I know you've heard it said, basically meaning, I know your religion tells you to do this, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, which means if someone does you wrong, you do them wrong. You get them back. And this was the Jewish law. This is actually how they practiced. Jesus says, don't get back at them. Turn the other cheek, this one. Turn the other, no one laughed at that. Do you get that? Cheek, you, you got it? If you are slapped, turn the other cheek. Turn, now some of you are like, hold on, wait. Hold on, wait. I was with you, Pastor, till you said that. Listen, somebody slapped me, they gonna get slapped. In fact, everybody in the room getting slapped. Is it gonna be a slap? Don't you dare slap me. Don't you dare. Listen, calm down, calm down. Not only that, he says, if someone takes your shirt, give them your coat as well. If someone tells you to carry something a mile, go two miles. This is who we're supposed to be. This is who Jesus says we are supposed to be. Paul is only restating exactly what Jesus already said, arriving on the scene and beginning his ministry. Then Paul goes on to say in verse 18, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. <laughs> do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. And Hebrews 12, 14 actually backs it up uh, uh, when the writer writes, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see God. Hold on, wait, wait, wait. No one will see God unless you're holy. And what's partnered right up with holy is being people of peace. <laughs> if you wanna see God, do you live in peace? Do all that you can to live in peace. Listen, friends, chapter 12 that we're reading here is known as the core for Christian living. It's the core of Christian living. We should be people of peace everywhere, all the time with everyone. And in the Sermon of the Mount, get this, Jesus said this. Jesus, Jesus, not, 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 not Pastor Jeb, not Pastor Matt, not Pastor Fred. This is what Jesus said. Blessed are those who work for peace. It's gonna be work. You got to work towards peace. Blessed are those who work for peace. And, and watch this. You ready? You ready? You, you, ain't, you, you ain't ready. Get this. Get this. For they will be called children of God. Are you a child of God? Then you must be a peaceful and peace seed spreading person. Because that's what children of God do. Dear friends, verse 19. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. It's not up to you to avenge. That's not your place. You are not God. You know, it's funny because the first commandment of the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament um, to the Israelites, which we can learn from today, the first commandment says, you shall have no other gods before me. Man, do we mess that up. <laughs> we so badly want to be God. 
We so badly want to be God. We want to be judge, jury, and executioner. We want to take revenge. We want to avenge. Goodness, your favorite movie is The Avengers. You, you think you are Avenger. Stacy, who lives in Ukaipa, you're not an Avenger. Jorge, who lives in Louisiana, you're not an Avenger. Merson, who lives in the UK, you're not an Avenger. And I know all those people, they're part of an online channel. Well, I don't know Stacy, but there's probably Stacy in Ukaipa. Come on, there's probably Stacy in Ukaipa. That just goes to the territory. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. God says, vengeance is mine. God says, it's mine. And you know why? Because, because you don't know how to repay. You, you, you don't have the right to repay. We are supposed to leave that to, to the righteous anger of God. You know what righteous anger? It means, it means the right way, the pure way of getting angry. You are not pure when you're angry. <laughs> you don't have the good type of anger. Only God does. So leave that to him. He will pay. Even Jesus stopped men who, who, who was ready, who was ready to stone a woman who was caught in adultery. And you know what he said to those religious men? You, you all are hypocrites. Let, let, let the first one who's without sin cast the first stone. And they all walked away. You know why? Because all of us sin and fall short of our heavenly father's glory. We all fall short. Who are you? It, it's like my kids. My, my kids, when, when, when they're doing something against each other, when they're doing something, when they're misbehaving, the other one's trying to discipline the other one. I'm like, what are you doing? You ain't mommy, you ain't daddy. Are you daddy? No. Then stop. To you, I say stop. Instead, verse 20, instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. Let me spend just a little time right here because... I, I believe this is the meat of the passage. Paul is saying, are you listening? This is the meat of the passage right here. Paul is telling us that instead of getting back, taking revenge, we should do good to our enemies. I know I wasn't going to get one amen on that. <laughs> Paul is repeating the same thing that Jesus said. Again, he's just repeating the same thing. Also in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 43, Jesus said, you have heard that it was said, love your enemy and hate your neighbor. And they're like, that's right, that's right. I'm doing it really well. Man, I, I hate my neighbor. <laughs> I hate my enemy. That's right. Oh, I'm actually hating both. No, I'm trying to love my neighbor. I'm trying to love me. Hate, hate your enemy? Jesus said, I know it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, to love your enemies and pray for those, get this, pray for those who persecute you that you may be again children of the Father. That you may be children of your Father in heaven. If you want to get them back, then love them. If you want to get them back, then love them back. Man, I... Are you all ready? Because I'm about to, I'm about to bring it. Y'all thought I was bringing it. Now I'm about to bring it. <laughs> this idea, get this now, this idea of, I didn't know I was going to need this. Lord have mercy. <laughs> I, I was playing around, but I'm like, Father, all right. <laughs> this idea of loving our enemy is a Christ mandate. I know it may not be a mandate where you come from, where you live, in your city, in your country, in your state, whatever. But this is a kingdom mandate. And I got to tell you something. When, when you said yes to Jesus, you may be a citizen of the United States, but now you are a citizen of heaven. And this trumps any other mandate. This is how God operates. You might be asking, you might be asking, well, well who's my enemy? Well, who's my enemy? And that's a valid question. Because if we could know who our enemy is, then, then we could do the things that Paul says constitutes Christian living. Who is my enemy? Who is my enemy? Does this sound familiar? Well, well who's my enemy? Who's my enemy? Are, are, are we asking that? We're asking that? Who, who, who's my enemy? This sounds familiar because in a letter in the New Testament, we read in Luke 10, 25, that an expert in the Jewish law asked Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, well, you're an expert in the law. You tell me what it says. How do you read it? And the man, the man answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. 
And he said, that's right, good job. Go and do this, and you will have life. But then the man messed up. He messed up, man. He should have skated out. But he followed up with another question. He's like, well, well, who is my neighbor? I feel like some of us are desiring to ask, well, who is my enemy? And believe it or not, there's a connection. You see, when the expert in the law answered correctly, the expert knew that in Leviticus, the third book of the Bible in the Old Testament, there were the majority of these Jewish laws originated in Leviticus. And in chapter 19, that, that a Jewish a neighbor was actually a Jewish neighbor <laughs> because it says among your people. It says among your own people. So, so when he asked this, they all knew that a neighbor was someone that was, that was close, someone that was part of your ethnic, your family, your religious group, your people, literally the people that you knew very well. So when Jesus asked, so when he asked, who is your neighbor, he knew already that his neighbor was another Jewish individual. However, just like everything else back then and in our own life now, Jesus messes everything up. Don't you hate that? When you're going about your way, you're doing your thing. Come on, you know you're a hot mess. You up in the club. It's all right if you're in the club, but you know you're doing your thing, and you know you know you ain't doing right. And, but when you read the scriptures, and you read that, and it messes you up, it messes your whole thing up. Now you got to do right. When that expert in the law asked Jesus, who is my neighbor, I knew Jesus smiled. He's like, I got you. Well, that's what I would have said. But I, I, I believe he smiled. Because Jesus begins to explain and illustrate who a neighbor is to this expert lawman by telling him the story of the Great Samaritan. Now, if you've never heard the, the story of the Great Samaritan, it goes basically a little something like this. Jesus said there was this Jewish man walking on the road. He was on a journey. And then he, he, got, he got robbed, he got beat up, and he was left for dead, bloody and everything. And then someone walked by. A Jewish priest walked by, saw him like, oh, all right, and kept on stepping. And then not only that, there was a Jewish priest who saw him was like, hmm, man, that's a shame, kept on walking. Neighbors of him. And then Jesus said, and then a Samaritan showed up. And I got to tell you, I wish I was in a crowd because I know as soon as he said Samaritan among these mainly Jewish people, they're like, oh. <laughs> and, the, and the Samaritan sees him, stops, bandage his wounds, puts him on a donkey, and makes sure he gets somewhere where he can be cared for and he can be brought back to health. You see, the significance of this is huge because at that time, a Samaritan and a Jew were enemies. I mean, they were like oil and water, y'all. You, you think racial ethnic tension is heavy in your world? A Samaritan and a Jew, it was maximum racial hate. They didn't like being in the same room. They, they didn't even like saying the name. In fact, so Jesus, after explaining this to the lawman, Jesus said to him, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And the expert lawman's like, oh, I should have walked away. Because he know, he knows who was the neighbor. And he couldn't even say Samaritan. You know what he said? The one who had mercy on him. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. You see, your enemy is your neighbor. And for others, your neighbor maybe is your enemy. It's whoever is, is your outsider. Because, of course, we're going to love the person that we know. We're going to treat the person that we know that's, that, that, that's in our crew that we're tight with. But your enemy, the person that you're supposed to love, is the person that hates your guts, the person that's outside of your ethnicity, the person that's outside of uh, your, your, your color. They're a different color than you are. Maybe they're a person that's not in your family. Maybe they're someone who's done you wrong, the person that you believe maybe is your nation's enemy, is your religion's enemy. If your enemies are hungry, feed them. If your enemies are hungry, 
feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. You know, it's tough to hate someone when you're giving them something to drink. It's tough to hate someone when you're giving them something to eat. What's powerful about this verse, and you will see this in a minute, that, that when we feed and offer our enemy something to eat and drink, it changes them. But honestly, it changes you. And, and, and listen, I know you're like, oh, okay, I'm going to do this because I really want them to change. I want them to see the error of the ways. And listen to me, that may happen, but, but God is asking you to do something. He's asking you to do something. And you may never see the fruit. You may never see the change, but you know where the change will probably start? Right here. The fruit you can probably see, most likely see, will see, is right here. You just do what God asked you to do. You can't feed someone and give someone something to drink and something to eat without getting close. Because when you give them something to eat, when you give them something to drink, it's intentional. And you have to come into their world. You have to come into their space. You know, this whole idea, this whole idea of being a Christian, or I like to say being a follower of Christ, I, I can I, can I, can I, can I, can I be real? I, I don't like saying Christian. I like saying follower of Jesus Christ. Because that tells you straight up what you're supposed to be doing. <laughs> this idea of being a follower of Jesus Christ means we're supposed to look like Christ. Which, which, which by the way, did you all know that we were enemies of God? We were enemies of God. We did him wrong. We, we offended him. But you know what he did? He came down and got close to us. And he fed us. And he gave us something to drink. It's called his body and his blood. He sacrificed himself for us so that we would be in right relationship with him. Come on now. That, that, that's the top one. Amen. Amen. <laughs> and then we recognize that and it makes us aware of the wrong that we've done and it compels us to do right. It compels us. That's what this next verse means. In doing this, by caring for them and loving them, by doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their head. Oh, that's what I'm talking about. I love the whipping pot. Now we got the coals pot. That's right. Put the coals up on the head and let it burn the head and melt the skull and the body and just come on down. Where the coals at? Go to counseling. Um, that's not what that means. The passage says you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. And this idea of coals on the head is, actually comes from an ancient Egyptian ritual of repentance. When the Jews were enslaved by the Egyptians, you remember that? For 400 years, the Jews were, and the Israelites were enslaved by Egyptians. So, of course, they took some Egyptian customs with them. And one of those customs was that back in Egypt, when someone wanted to make it right with someone that they have wronged, they would carry coals of fire on a dish on their head as evidence of genuine repentance. This brought shame, good shame, that helps make a person aware of what they've done. And when that happens, the person becomes different. They start to think differently and they start to see the error of their ways. Listen, followers of Jesus Christ, listen, followers of Jesus Christ, if you want to get back at them, love them. If you want to get back at them, love them. Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, got one of his famous quotes from this verse. He said, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. And then he said, hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. 21, verse 21. Don't let evil conquer you but conquer evil by doing good. And, and you might be like, well, I don't do evil things. I'm not evil. Listen to me. E e evil is basically sin. It it's, it's, being, it's being unloving. It it's, it's having the opportunity not to do good, to do good, and you don't do good. You're thinking, like, I'm not evil. I'm not Cruella DeVille. Uh, I'm not Thanos. I'm not Palpatine. I'm not Voldemort. I'm not, I'm not Wither Boss. Who else? I'm trying to name all the... <laughs> I I'm, I'm, I'm trying to cover all bases. Trust me, you do evil every single day. The best way I can explain this powerful story is by, uh, this powerful um, example is by sharing a story of Daryl Davis. 
This is Daryl Davis, a 63-year-old African-American blues musician. He has played with legends like Chuck Berry, Jerry Lee Lewis, and B.B. King. What you don't know about this man is that he has a unique hobby. In his spare time, Daryl Davis befriends white supremacists, lots of them. He has discovered that the most effective way to get a KKK Klansman to give up his hood is friendship. He goes to where they are, meets them at their rallies, dines with them in their homes. That sound familiar? He gets to know them because in his words, how can you hate me when you don't even know me? He also is a collector of Ku Klux Klan's robes, uh, hoods, flags, and other paraphernalia. He collects them as souvenirs when KKK members decide to give up on racism because of their friendship. Davis, who was a Christian, has met with white supremacists for over three decades, and he never tries to convert the Klansmen. He simply becomes friends with them and, and, and they give up their Klansmanship on their own. David says he's happy to be friends with former Klansmen. And he also said, it's a wonderful thing when you see a light bulb pop on in their heads, <laughs> the coals, or they call you and tell you they're quitting. I never set out to convert anyone in the Klan. I just set out to get an answer to my question. How can you hate me when you don't even know me? I simply gave them a chance to get to know me and treat them the way that I want to be treated. They come to this conclusion that their ideology is no longer for them. I'm often the reason for them coming to this conclusion and I'm very happy that some positivity has come out of my meetings and friendships with them. <sighs> Friends, what would it look like Disciples of Jesus Christ, what would it look like if we didn't hit back, cuss out, give the finger, get back at them with nasty but oh so true comments on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter? And what if we stopped arguing with people out of anger? Listen to me, it will conquer you. It will conquer you. Some of us are conquered by evil. Who is your enemy? Come on, who is your enemy? Think of, think of that person right now. Is it a Republican? Is it a Democrat? Is it a liberal? Is it a conservative? Is it evangelical? Is it someone from California? <laughs> is it someone from Texas? Is it someone from the Middle East? Is it someone part of the LGBTQ community? Who is it? Is it black? Are they black? Are they brown? Are they blue? Like, what, what are, 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 do they wear blue? Is it a cop? I, I, can, I, can I tell you something? This is literally what I do. I, I do not believe and I will not believe that I am the enemy of a police officer. I just don't believe that. I'm also not gonna believe that for that cop that I am their enemy. I don't believe that. I'm gonna keep my thoughts pure. And hold on, I'm gonna, I'm gonna think about what's true and noble. I'm just not gonna do that. But because I know society says that right now that we're enemies, this is what I do. Literally, this is, you can ask my wife. This is literally what I do every single time I see a cop and even if they're over there, over there, I do my best to drive around, get to them, and, and this is what I do. I go, hey, I just want to say thank you so much for what you do. I'm so glad you're out there. I'm so glad you're out there putting yourself on the line. Thank you for putting on the blue. I'm going to be praying for you today. God bless you. This is literally what I say every single time I see a cop. Well, Jeff, there's bad cops out there. There's bad cops out there. Yeah, you don't know. Yeah. You know what I'm more worried about? Bad Christians. What, 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 what about the BLM? What about Black, uh, Black Lives uh, Movement? What, what about them? Black Lives Matter movement? What, what about that movement? What about that movement? I, I, I'm more concerned about the non-movement of Christians to love. That's what worries me. And when I hear, listen, when I hear a racist comment or something offensive, and most of the time, honestly, truly, most of the time, it's just, it's just something ignorant that they don't know what they're saying. They don't know what they're saying. But, but, but do I get upset? Do I get enraged? No, you know what I do? I love them. I get close. I establish a relationship. And you know what's happened almost every single time? The relationship starts to grow 
and whatever it is that could be offensive just withers away. And they become deceived. And you know what? I become deceived. I come to see more and more of that relationship and that person that I thought I knew. Imagine, imagine if every time we offended Jesus, imagine if every time we did something wrong to Jesus, he lashed out, he backed up. No, it's just the opposite. He comes close. And you know what he did? He came down. Listen to me, I, I know it's hard. I, I can see the people in my mind right now. I know their names. I, I know the past employers. I know the past supervisors. I, I see them, the people that offended me, the people that wronged me, the, 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 the people that did things to me illegally. I see them and, 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 and I, 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 I hear them. And there was times when I, I lashed out, when I got mad. But you know, at the end of the day, I did love them and I forgave them. And I don't know if it changed them, but it sure did change me. Live in peace. Live in peace. Who in your life do you need to give something to eat? Who in your life do you need to give something to drink? Who in your life? Think of that person right now. And honestly, it probably, it, it probably won't take you long to think of that person. Who is it that you need to share a meal with? Pray about whoever that person is. And, and, and listen, listen. Let's do our best to live in peace. For even Jesus said in Matthew 5, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. This is how we overcome our enemy, with love. We get them back by loving them. That's how we overcome our enemies. Let's pray. Lord, thank you, Father. Thank you for this message. And, and, and really, this message is nothing new. This is what you've been telling us ever since Jesus showed up on the scene. Thank you for loving us. Help us to be people of peace, not hate, not to do evil, not, not, not to be people of anger and revenge, but people of love. Help us, Lord to know the real enemy. And, and because a real enemy is Satan. <laughs> He's a real enemy and he knows that and he enjoys the fact that we're fighting each other and causing divisions and trying to divide everyone in our lives, our country, our churches, our community, our world. He loves it and we're falling for the trap, hook, line and sinker. He comes to destroy and we are just helping him. Instead, Lord, we desire, Father, I pray we do, we desire to bring peace. Help us to bring peace. Help us to offer people something to eat and something to drink, just like you did yourself. You, you did this for us. So help us to take the food and the drink that you gave us called you and share you with everyone, especially our enemies. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And what a powerful message, really one that can apply to all of us. Pastor Jeff mentioned, we have this mandate to love. And the way that we do this is getting close to one another. Just, just like that story he mentioned of Daryl Davis, we all desire to be known. Because transformation happens when we seek others out to know them. This is why community is so important. If, if you go to the growth path, on the Sandals Church app, one of the steps is connecting with others. Whether it's community group that's virtual or in person, or, or maybe it's starting a Sandals Church anywhere, this is how we live out the life God has called us to. If you've been hanging out with Sandals Church for a while, you've probably heard us say that we greatly value the next generation. And we back that up with resources and spaces for kids to feel welcome, amazing content, and dozens of men and women who believe in pouring into young people. Because of this daily effort, each week, we have over 860 kids in community groups, in person and online, and, and over 1,100 kids every weekend, not to mention kids all over the world tuning in to the Sandals Kids content online every single week. 
That means kids and youth are finding a place to belong. They're being mentored and escaping this, this statistic of loneliness and depression while learning to follow Jesus. So if you financially give to Sandals Church, you make this happen. So thanks for being part of this awesome work of God. And if you have not given before, maybe today is your first day. All you have to do is give on the Sandals Church app or you can go to give.se. It's easy and it's secure to give. So thanks for making the gospel go global and, and helping people be real with themselves, God, and others. Thanks for joining us this week. We'll see you back here next week.